Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. This is Tom. How was your week, guys? It was good. Had a good week. Nothing important, nothing exciting happened. Mine was magical. Something important (laughs) and exciting did happen. Um, We got to take our daughter to meet LeVar Burton. And he wrote a story. That's awesome. In our little town of Tulsa. I know. And Hobby Lobby has put Christmas stuff out. (gasps) All of the Christmas, all the, they have? Not all of it. They've started though. So you go in and you get the the warm Oh my goodness. Wow. Did you guys notice we had a spike in downloads this week? That was random. And it was like Mm -hmm. several episodes. So... Some new listeners are fine. I wonder if people are starting to miss the Christmas season or getting excited for Christmas in July. I'll bet. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome. We hope your first episode wasn't The Grinch or Family Man. (laughs) Unless that's your kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Then prepare to be disappointed 40% of the time (laughs) when we all agree. Oh, more than that. More than that. So I found a gift card this week. So for Christmas, you know, me and Sarah exchanged pajamas on Christmas Eve with one another. And this past Christmas, she accidentally bought me women's pajamas from uh, this (laughs) store called Box Lunch, which is kind of like a dinky type store. It's full of uh, pop culture-y type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't her fault. The salesperson said they were men's and they were not. They were extra large for like a woman, but... Very small on me. Pictures or it didn't happen. <laughs> Thankfully, there are no pictures. But they gave uh, the store credit, so I had this gift card for them. And I realized I had only had like, I had I still have like seven bucks on it. So I was looking, what can I get for seven bucks? And then I saw a little Scrooge McDuck keychain, and I was like, well, it's Disney and it's Christmas, so I'm getting it for my keychain. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that made me happy. Well spent. Yes. I was very pleased. The little things in life, guys. It is. So this week we are discussing the spiritual sibling, I would call it, to A Bad Mom's Christmas, 2017's holiday comedy film, Daddy's Home 2. Julia, do you want to give us a plot synopsis? Father Dusty and stepfather Brad join forces to give their children a perfect Christmas. Their newfound partnership soon gets put to the test, however, when Dusty's old school macho dad and Brad's gentle, affectionate father arrive to turn the holiday upside down. (laughs) Short, sweet, and to the point. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That that covers it. So um, before we get into our histories with this film, I just want to run through the credits real quick. 
It was directed by Sean Anders, who did Horrible Bosses 2 and the original Daddy's Home. And it was written by him and John Morris. And John Morris doesn't really have much to his name. And uh, the cast consists of Will Ferrell as Brad Whitaker, Mark Wahlberg as Dusty Mayron, Mel Gibson as Kurt Mayron, John Lithgow as Don Whitaker, Linda Cardellini as Sarah Whitaker, and John Cena as Roger. So, let's start as we always do with our histories. Julia. So I haven't seen the original Daddy's Home and just saw this one for the first time the other day. Kind of a fun side note, this is the first movie in a long time Marty has sat down to watch with me. So it was kind of fun watching with him. Um, so not, not really any history with it. What about you, Tom? I did see Daddy's Home. and It was okay. Um, it was funny. It had its funny moments. Um, it was kind of predictable. I didn't love it, didn't hate it, haven't seen it you know, more than once. So I didn't go into this movie with the biggest expectations when I started it today. How about you, Anthony? I saw the original Daddy's Home, um, and I was just felt the same way about it as you did, Tom. Didn't love it, did or hate, didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. Um, it's, you know, we've mentioned before, I don't think any of us are really huge Will Ferrell fans. Like, it takes a certain role for him. And um, his role in the original Daddy's Home, I actually liked him in. So I just saw this for the first time today, a few hours ago, and it's the first movie in a long time Sarah sat down and watched me. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, that's about it. So why don't we just dive right in? What did you guys think of this film? I was really pleasantly surprised. I was dreading it, which is why I haven't watched it until today. Um, after watching Bad Moms 2 and seeing how much worse I thought that was than the first one, I wasn't really excited. And I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this movie. Before, Julia, yeah, I'm going to ask you in a second, but because you brought up Bad Moms right away. How this is, <laughs> I mean, they're different films, but they are the same film in a lot of ways. Oh, it's the same. Exactly. It's the same film. Yeah. And are they planning a crossover for the third one? Because it ends the same exact way with their two dads <laughs> going to Vegas for New Year's, which is how Bad Moms ended. Yep. I'm wondering the same thing. It seems like bad, they're going to meet up. Bad grandparents or something. Oh, my gosh. Did they have Bad Grandpa already with Zac Efron? Oh, yeah, and Robert yeah. De Niro. <laughs> this was the same movie. So I liked this one more than I liked Bad Moms Christmas. Um, but only marginally so. Um, this had a, this had some things in it that I typically can't get over. Number one, Marky Mark. Do I really love Marky Mark in certain things? Like he was great in The Departed. But most other Marky Mark is, he's beautiful to watch, but he's painful to watch. I have a hard time bridging that gap sometimes <laughs> with him. I'm, I'm sorry, what yeah, movie did you say you liked him in? The Departed. You're mispronouncing it. Yeah, I was about to say, say it the way it's supposed to be pronounced. The Departed. The Departed? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I liked him so much in it. <laughs> so you're not, a, you're not a Mark Wahlberg fan, huh? I, I really like the idea of Mark Wahlberg. I will see almost every Mark Wahlberg movie that comes out because I really enjoy him. I don't like his acting. <laughs> I don't know how you can separate the two, but apparently I found a way. Yeah, I'm not a big Mark Man. Wahlberg fan either like it's it's the same kind of thing for will ferrell for me it takes a certain role for me to enjoy him in yeah so i don't like any of the transformer movies that he's in 
I don't um, blame him for that though. That's Michael Bay. Like. Michael Bay has completely killed that. Well, I liked the very first Transformers movie. After that, they were terrible. Um, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, but and then the M Night Shyamalan movie that he did, that Marky Mark was in, was painful. So painful. Oh, um, the happening. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I hated that film. Me. Yeah. Guys, I really liked it. Did you? I, I love all this other stuff, but that one hurt me real deep. Um, That's how I felt about his Lady in the Water movie. Oh, I see, I actually, I actually liked that one. I never saw that one. I don't know. I have a conflicted relationship with Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. So I hated this film. <laughs> <laughs> that went downhill. Um, I I thought I thought it started out promising enough, but it's kind of like once they got to the cabin and it started getting more outlast, just felt started to drag and mm-hmm. got really outlandish. Like I love the beginning stuff, like when their dads first arrive and all of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I just kind of felt a drag. I. I like the first Daddy's Home better than this. And uh, I liked Bad Mom's Christmas better than this. I feel like Marty and I said the same thing when we finished this one. Marty's like, I kind of wish we'd seen the first one first because I feel like we're missing a lot of what's probably a pretty interesting relationship story between the two guys that develops, you know? Interesting with the loose for what it is. You know, it felt like we were stepping into the middle of a... Uh, you, you got, I would say, I would argue <laughs> you got a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like Will Ferrell in this role? Like, I know we're all kind of picky about Will Ferrell in roles, but do you guys like his character, Brad? Yeah, I like him. He's Buddy the Elf grown up with kids in a right. stepfather role. Yeah. I mean, he is. So, of course, I like that. I have like two moments in this movie that made it worth watching for me, and they both are involving Will Ferrell's character. I like him in this. He was, He's not my favorite character in this, but he's all right. Who is your favorite character, Tom? John Lithgow. I really like John Lithgow. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I, re- I really liked him and I really liked Mel Gibson. Just that the really like manly man, macho <laughs> father. Oh, yeah. So this movie felt like an hour. It got to a point you said it started to drag, right? It was slow. And I totally agree with that. I felt that as well. It felt like they were trying to stretch the time out. So they just throw, kept throwing stuff in there. And it's um, weird because it wasn't that long. It's only like an hour and 37 minutes. Right. It was an credits. hour and 37 minutes of Mel Gibson laughing. Yeah. All yeah. I could hear was that emphysema laugh the entire movie. Like he did it so much that I was like, okay, <laughs> I am done with the laughing. If you could stop laughing, that'd be great. Oh, but I, I, I like the beginning is my favorite part. Yeah. Like the meeting up is my favorite part of this movie. That airport scene where they're picking up their dads and just the... Like the best ever. That kiss on the lips with John Lithgow <laughs> and Will oh. Ferrell. I and when they're it. doing that, Mel Gibson's just like, this guy's raising your kids half the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the whole... It's just so perfect. The whole thing is perfect. How beautiful Mel Gibson is and how cool he looks coming down the escalator and the light that's shining on their faces and then just flipped with Buddy the Elf jumping up and down because he's so inside his dad is there. John, he's like, John Lithgow is Buddy the Elf grown up. I mean, that is Buddy the Elf's dad. It just is. He's so perfect. I, I love that scene so much, so much. 
Yeah. That's I how I am so. when I go to the airport to get my mom or my grandma. <laughs> that's me. That, that, that scene is just so funny. Like, even when Mark Wahlberg's trying to excuse it to his dad, oh, they haven't seen each other in a while. And then it's like, oh, I know it's only been since Thanksgiving, but I've missed you so much. It's so sweet. Yeah. I, I love it. It's perfect casting. It is perfect casting. Absolutely. Well done. On the but. But going to what you said, Julie, about how like the lighting with Mel Gibson mm-hmm. and he looks, you know, beautiful in your words coming down the stairs and then John Lithgow comes down. Just even the music choices, like Thunderstruck mm-hmm. with Mel Gibson yeah. and then yeah. whatever <laughs> really upbeat, dorky song they played for John Lithgow. Oh. He's wearing a red sweater so I can find him. Yes. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what the age is where it's not appropriate to kiss your kids on the lips anymore. But I feel like they've passed it. <laughs> <laughs> Quite certain. Every time they do, too, it gets that same uncomfortable feeling <laughs> rises in me where I'm like, good God. That's it is. You kind of look away. But when Mel Gibson at the end, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, I, I lost it. <laughs> so, so I will say this about the film because I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I thought like so the tree in their house at the beginning was really beautiful mm-hmm. and the cabin the way they decorated it before will ferrell completely destroyed it accidentally yeah. with the snowblower i thought they really made that look nice too mm-hmm. i thought the cell phone tower tree was quite lovely honestly. yeah me too <laughs> how did they make those the the parts of the self tower that were in the tree look Christmassy? even i mean they look like they were part of the tree on purpose they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the $20,000 Christmas tree. Uh, so we're talking, we're referencing, and they go out to uh, buy a Christmas tree, and Mel Gibson is, is goading Mark Wahlberg's character about, you know, you're, being in the, you're in the middle of the wilderness and you're buying a dead bunch of branches. So they go out to cut down a tree, and Will Ferrell's manhood feels challenged, so he takes a chainsaw and chops down a tree that is also a cell tower. I love how he says it's perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> So there were multiple points in this film I thought of both of you guys. Oh, and really? At one of them, I just couldn't stop laughing because they played every Christmas song the two of you hated in this film. Christmas yeah, rapping, check. Christmas is Hollis, check. <laughs> Do they know it's Christmas time? Which is a huge plot <laughs> point. Check, 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 check. check, check. <laughs> the only one they missed was All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> But, like, literally every time one of those songs came on, I was like, oh, man, they must be loving this. Yeah. Yeah, and I have notes where I'm like, dear God, they picked the worst music in this movie. But and they had a Home for the Holidays. The rendition they did of Home for the Holidays was abysmal. It was terrible. But Probably it worked. But it was, like, yeah. I, so I get why they did that. But The oh. awful Christmas music, I, I don't know how to, to Subjectively balance Subjectively awful Christmas music. <laughs> The juxtaposition between it being some of my least favorite Christmas movie music with it also making the movie feel like Christmas is something I haven't quite reconciled with myself yet. (laughs) It's got the Christmas feels with this music that I will inevitably change the station every time it's on. uh, It still gave me the feels. I don't don't really understand what happened with me during this film. I I did get Christmas feels. I'll say that. I got Christmas feels at some point. I also thought of you, Julia, because I think it was literally last week you were talking about how your dad unplugs the toaster, and because okay. he... <laughs> so, so that the... is my other moments. 
I cannot tell you how hard I laughed at the entire thermostat thing. I, I had nothing has ever struck so close to home as that scene has in my life. So it's my favorite scene in the movie besides the meeting scene at the beginning. So the families are all combined there in the cabin. So we've got Dusty and his dad, Brad and his dad, as well as their respective wives, girlfriends, children, and all that. So you see Mel Gibson wake up drenched in sweat and he comes out into the hallway like he is on a tear and he wakes up John Lithgow or does he see her move the thermostat first? No, he doesn't see her yet. Okay. So he finds John Lithgow, wakes John Lithgow up and John Lithgow is covered in sweat. And so they go out into the hallway and they see the teenage daughter that's not, not Dusty's birth daughter. It's his stepdaughter. So they see the teenage daughter who's on her phone perpetually the entire movie go and move the thermostat from like 70 to 85. And they look at each other like, oh no, she didn't. And this whole thing ensues with who is the master of the thermostat. And even Brad is like, I can't believe you let her touch the thermostat because Dusty's like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. We let her do it at home. And the other three dads are like, what is wrong with you? Get your house in order. Why are you letting her touch the thermostat? (laughs) And Mel Gibson is like, irate he's like even brad agrees with me on this That's right <laughs> so he is my father he is so my father in the winter it's always set to cooler right so the heat doesn't run and i even love that they say that they're like do they know how much money that's what uh, john lithgow's character says he's like do they even know how much money that's gonna cost in the on the heating bill how much that'll make your heating bill go up oh i cackled I cackled the entire time. And I love, Marty just looked at me because he knows. He knows. <laughs> I, I think it was John Lithgow, too, who said, are you going to give her your credit cards next? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it made me laugh, too. I could relate to the thermostat. The thermostat oh. issue. My father-in-law's like that. My dad's like that. My grandfathers are like that. I, I it's totally know. a dad thing. I didn't know that was a dad thing. I thought that was a my dad thing because Marty's not like that. He doesn't care if I say I'm hot, hopeful, whatever. But I mean, but my dad is so like that. And so I thought it was just a my dad thing. And you know, when you see a movie or you read a book and you think it's just a you thing, but like other people do it and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there are other people out there like that. It was that realization for me. I'm very much that way when it comes to winter. I do not want the heat on, but it has nothing to do with saving money. It's that heaters feel awful. This is also the opening oh, scene. I love the heater. Oh. <laughs> this is also the, <laughs> the opening scene. I think it's the opening scene. Or one of the first scenes of the first episode of Family Guy. Uh, Meg adjusts the thermostat. And like Peter immediately knows and comes out into the kitchen and gets upset. And then three of the neighbors come over to make sure everything's okay in their house. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my dad. <laughs> he has like a sixth sense. He knows when you touch it. I don't understand. I love that scene. I love it so much. So, yeah, I think, like, looking back at the movie, like, I think what bothered me was it felt kind of directionless. Like, there was no plot except for Mel Gibson, like, just trying to goad them to at one another. So Mel Gibson's father, Mel Gibson, um, Mel Gibson's character, who is Mark Wahlberg's character's father, uh, he tells his son, you know, oh, this co-parenting, this co-dad thing, and, you know, can never work and 
Dusty's like, no, me and Brad are best friends. We have this figured out. And so Kurt is like determined to prove otherwise and just kind of manipulates these situations to try to get them at one another's throats. And so it's just basically a bunch of scenes in a row, like of the two of them accidentally screwing things up for one another. And I don't know. But wasn't that pretty much the entire first movie though, too? It was, but I think for me, the first one felt a little fresh. I don't know. I think for me, it was all the, the, the part I liked about it was the Christmas elements. I think that's all it, all it came down to. Yeah, and that's why I was surprised I didn't like this one more, because usually the Christmas elements will give it more of a pass for me. That's why I was surprised I liked the first one more. I'm really surprised about that, I'll be honest, um, mm-hmm. especially with how much you liked Bad Moms too. Maybe mm-hmm. this one was, just wasn't raunchy enough for you. It, it didn't delve enough into the, to the filth and vile that uh, Bad Moms 2 did. I was surprised this was not as, I don't know. Well, it was PG-13. I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Which the first one I think was R. So Which they even, they even made fun of the PG-13 rating when they were all, uh, so they all get snow. they all try to leave on Christmas and they end up getting snowed in uh, this small town and go to a movie theater. And <laughs> did you guys find that movie concept really funny or was it just me? <laughs> the typical Liam Neeson action movie just at Christmas. Yeah. Do you want to describe that for our listeners? Yeah. What was what it called movie again? Oh, what was Mistletoe. it called? Oh, Missile. M-I-S-S-L-E-T-O-W. Liam Neeson in this, they spell out the plot. Liam Neeson is a tow driver and he stumbles across an ICBM missile that is broken down. And so he takes it from terrorists and drives it to NORAD so that it can't get off. And so they're talking about this and, and Brad's dad is really upset that it's PG 13 and, and didn't know if he wanted, you know, the family to see it. Well, they decided to see it all together. And it's just got these wonderful lines. Like uh, the kids are like, you did it, dad, you killed them all. And Liam Neeson says, no, honey, we did it. We killed them all. <laughs> Uh, but it, but it was very much playing up on on uh, all of the the action taken type movies that Liam Neeson's done, and they they was that really Liam Neeson's voice? It was, yeah. It sounded like it. it. He is a he's a good team player, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was one hundred percent not happy with the way the the son who's confused about girls plot line resolved? Okay. I loved it. Oh, I hated it. Oh, I was I horrified. Was so, <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. So through the whole the whole movie, you think the son, Brad's stepson slash Dusty's son, um, has a thing for a girl who's she's in the cabin. She's in another cabin yep. where they are. Right? You think she has he has a thing for her? So he's trying to talk to to Brad and to Dusty and everybody about you know this this crush he has on this girl. And uh, at the end, they have her under the mistletoe, and he goes over and instead. Decides to play the kiss on his stepsister. Gosh. Who, 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 you know, was picking on him the whole time. And yeah. uh-huh. But since uh, I want to read one of my favorite quotes, and it's when Brad is giving him girl advice. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, the girl talk. You want to be the one that she confides in. It's called the friend zone. But you'll be <laughs> sad ultimately knowing that she's not with you. And eventually you'll be invited to their wedding. And their dad's like, Brad, what are you doing here? Teresa never talks about you. And you're like, I'm invited. He's like, I wonder about that. And he just goes on and on about the friend zone until Dusty, who's listening from behind the Christmas tree, jumps out. And he's like, wait, no, no, no. My favorite part of that scene is where he tells 
where he's telling his stepson that you've got to have the invitation with you at all times so you can show people <laughs> that you were invited to the wedding. At that scene, I love the fact that at that scene uh, where he kisses, kisses his stepsister, they're at a crowded movie theater where everybody's snowed in and can't leave. And John Cena's like, did you just kiss your sister? And his mom comes and she's like, it was a stepsister. I mean, I know it's still wrong, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the whole the whole audience is is horrified and and mom has to step up and say no no it's a stepsister. We have a um contentious living manger scene that is kind of the physical throwdown between all of the male characters including John Cena who shows up late to the game. John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> um the two drunk girls were quite funny in this scene. I thought one, because I was really glad that one with the cell phone fell flat on her face because the entire movie, she drove me absolutely nuts. But that little one's mouthy, mouthy drunk. That was pretty funny. Do you want to go to IHOP? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> As of when I checked before this, you guys didn't respond to my uh, quote on Slack from that scene. <laughs> I was driving between Oklahoma City and Tulsa. I can't, I can't read it. It's got some questionable language, but that's my favorite line from the whole movie. <laughs> You know, you know a line I liked? And, okay, so I know whatever you think of the song, I really like the whole backstory where Dusty wanted to sing the Bible <laughs> part in Do You Know It's Christmas Time during a school pageant, Christmas pageant when he was a kid. And he looks out into the audience and sees his dad, Mel Gibson, <laughs> making out with a friend's mom or something. <laughs> and it just distracts him completely and he misses his cue and he becomes a laughing stock, basically. But um, this whole Do You Know It's Christmas subplot, where at the end he gets the moment. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned John Cena, Julia. I, lo- I love what they're trying to get him to sing. And Will Ferrell's like, I bet Roger knows where there's no snow. <laughs> and then, like, like, he cues him up like that. And then, uh, I laughed really hard at that. <laughs> By the way, they're all terrible singers. Yes. Yes, they are. Which we know Mark Wahlberg was playing it up because he can actually sing. So can Will Ferrell. But I feel like John Cena was actually, like, bad. Really bad. <laughs> yeah. Really, really bad. I wouldn't tell him that, though. I would well, from a safe distance. <laughs> Was he in the first one? He showed up at the end. At yeah. the very okay. end. So like the escalator scene was a callback to the first one. When Brad first meets Dusty, Dusty's coming down the escalator and he's like just shell-shocked that this used to be his wife's ex-husband. Right. Um, so when Dusty meets uh, his wife's ex, he's, yeah, and that's at the All very right. end. Oh, All so right. you know what other part I love? And it, it, was the, it was the beginning, right? When they're about to leave for the cabin. And Dusty, just to kind of get back at his dad, he's like, hey, kids, why don't you jump in my car so Grandpa Kirk can join Pop Pop's company the way up? <laughs> and all the car games Will Ferrell and John Lithgow are playing with one another. <laughs> and Mel Gibson is just sitting there. Like, you can tell he's fuming, and he gives a finger to Dusty as they drive by. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. The quiet game. And they both lost. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> And when they get out of the car at the cabin, Brad's like, oh my God, dad, thank you so much. You make five hour car trip go by so quick. (laughs) (laughs) Who called that he was having marital issues like immediately? Oh, when grandma grandma wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I looked over at Marty and I'm like, divorce. And he's like, what? And I'm like, just wait. When Sully Sullenberger comes down 
<laughs> random thing ever. Going to be stepped at. And Dusty is like starstruck, like, oh, he could get free tickets. He could get vouchers. <laughs> and Brad just runs off. You'll never be my dad. You may have what you have one good story. My dad has thousands. <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite scene was uh when they decide to have a, a dad stay out and they go to an improv comedy place oh yeah and they have this very awkward coming out that that john lithgow's marriage has fallen apart he's doing it on stage in front of all of these strange strangers and it's just it's it's so uncomfortable but afterwards when mark Wahlberg says to him uh you know he knew that they were having problems he's like well how do you know well a married man uh, only joins an improv comedy troop if there's a if there are marital problems or there are marital problems after he joins it's inevitability <laughs> that every man in uh improv comedy has marital problems <laughs> i felt so bad for john lithgow in that scene even mel gibson gets a good heart moment though he like when he says you know he invited himself to christmas because you never invite me like i thought that mm-hmm. was sweet or when By they're the w- holding each other in the hospital room and after he got shot <laughs> yeah <laughs> The hunting scene was pretty spectacular in general. So they're at the store shopping and uh, Mel Gibson is showing his grandson a gun and Brad, Will Ferrell's character, comes over and quickly says that they're a gun-free home. And of course, Mel Gibson's character is annoyed and and makes him jab at Mark Wahlberg. But they put the gun down and then when they all go see Santa, the boy goes in Santa's lap and asks for a 20-gauge shotgun so he can go hunting with his El Padre. Um, And then it's obvious that he's, you know, been coached and uh, his mom has not been a part of any of these conversations but then mel gibson makes some sexist comment about the daughter not being allowed to go and so suddenly mom's on board and the whole family goes out hunting and while they're hunting they're the daughter has a, a look in her eyes she's out for blood i mean she's just <laughs> wanting to kill something and so as she's taking aim at this turkey that's attacking them um john lithgow and will ferrell are trying to hew to to add some sort of anthropomorphization of to the to the turkey and make the girl feel bad about it, giving it a name, and uh, eventually she freezes up, dr- falls back, and shoots accidentally shoots her grandpa Will, uh, Mel Gibson in the arm. But then she picks up the gun and just starts going crazy, killing the the deer with the <laughs> sick look in her face as she's cocking the gun. It was pretty funny though. So I feel like the movie missed a an opportunity to reference a Christmas story when the kid was on Santa's lap asking for a gun. Like you they should have made it. Out. Yeah, they should have made that joke, especially because the kid looked like a you know the glasses and everything. They should have totally made yeah. that joke. He did. They did miss an opportunity. Um, I love the scene when they first bring both grandpas back from the airport, and the kids are really excited to see John Lithgow, not so much Mel Gibson. <laughs> And they're like, tell us Papa jokes. And John Lithgow's like, why does a duck have feathers to cover up his butt quack? And, you know, they all find it hilarious. And Mel Gibson, you know, he's a little jealous. So he's like, here, kids, I got a good one for you. Two dead hookers wash up on the shore. And, like, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are just like, no, no, no. I love that duck joke. That's when he came up with the laugh so hard. (laughs) That's when Mel Gibson decided he needed a nickname besides Grandpa because he was jealous that uh, John Lithgow was Pop Pop. Yep. El Padre. We and the kids just flock to him. You know, they just run to John. They're so excited to see him because he's such a fun grandpa. (laughs) And it's also when Mel Gibson picks up Brad's new baby and he's like, oh, who's this one? And they're like, oh, that's mine. I'm the biological dad. And he's like, wait, so how's this one related to me? (laughs) 
<laughs> just trying to get rid of the kid. Like yeah, he's just hands it off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Talking about it, I don't hate it as much as I did when watching it. You may have changed my score a bit. I wonder if you went back and watched it again, what you would think. Yeah, I'd be curious. I don't know. I think just what, I don't know. For me, it just kind of dragged once they hit the cabin for a bit. And maybe some of the storylines just... did drag out. I'll give you some of the, or some of the little subplots dragged out. But ultimately, I liked it. I think I'll watch it again. I'll definitely be interested to see Mel Gibson and Christine Baranski and all the bad moms uh, hanging out <laughs> in Las Vegas and whatever they decide to call that film. I just don't. Mm. John Lithgow and Cheryl Hines. That'd be really funny. Oh my God. Do <laughs> you imagine? No, no, I can't. <laughs> does this movie pass the Linus test? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It definitely was not at the manger scene. The most religious scene and the what could be the most religious Linusy moment in the movie is probably the most irreverent. With a, <laughs> the people are calling are, are cheering on Joseph and the, the shepherd fighting. Get him, Joseph. <laughs> I like that they're rooting. I like that they're rooting for him though. It's that they're rooting for Marky Mark instead of uh, John Cena, an underdog story, I guess. Wait, yeah. was that was that the scene where Will Ferrell has the snowball and he's like, you know what, Dusty, you're not worth it. And then he's like, psych, and then lobs a snow snowball. And hits his dad in the face. Dad. Yeah. And the dad's like, that was an ice ball. <laughs> but yeah, no, the Linus moment, I think it comes in the movie theater after the blackout. Mm-hmm. I think so too. When Mel Gibson comes and starts quoting the movie to his son. <laughs> it's a direct quote from the movie, Ted. <laughs> oh, it must have seeped in. <laughs> Are you guys big Mel, Mel Gibson fans in general? No. I've liked quite a bit of his style of his earlier stuff. Like, I love The Patriot, and I really love Signs. Signs is one of my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movies, um, which I know is not the popular selection, but that movie gives me chills every time I watch it. I'm with I you. I don't it. have the favorite. I don't have the, uh, the typical favorite. What's your typical favorite? What's my favorite? Well, Unbreakable. I like The Village a lot. Right. I the love The Village. I loved it. And I do love Unbreakable. God, Samuel L. Jackson in that film. I can't <laughs> wait for Glass. I don't know. I, I just hope he can pull it off. He's shown us some duds. I am a fan of Mel Gibson, though. Yeah. His, what, his movies. Not necessarily him as so a person. thrown off by his oh, right. racism. Right. Yeah. And sexism. Yeah. It's weird because... Tom Cruise as a person makes me hate Tom Cruise's movies, but Mel Gibson, I still enjoy his stuff. I can't hate Top Gun or Days of Thunder, though. I'll amend that and say the newer Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, I, I, I like, can't watch yeah. anything with him. Oh, and A Few Good Men. He was amazing in A Few Good Men. That was, yeah, a, I love that a, few was good a great movie. Well, I think it was. There was a bit on uh, Family Guy this week where they're like, where they uh, were showing, you know, a made for T or they were, it was like TBS or something. And they're like, you know, here's another eighties movie that you thought you loved until you watch it now and realize it drags on way too slowly. <laughs> and it was, it was stripes. Um, they were referencing, but then I'm like, I wonder how many movies I like that would be like, that would have that problem. <laughs> a few good men is not one of those for me. I haven't seen it recently. Oh, you haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it's it on almost every time. weekend. Really? <laughs> I feel I feel like yeah, TBS or TNT or AMC, one of those, or even TMC shows it now, which is kind of crazy. I love that movie. I'll have so. to give it a try. I know I know one hundred percent of my love for Top Gun is all nostalgia. I tried making Christine watch it because she had never seen it, and 
She was not a fan. I hate that movie. I never liked it. I don't know. Maybe oh, it's I the did. speed thing. I'm not sure. I did. I had a big uh, hand-drawn F-14 poster in my room as a kid. Went to all the air shows. It, it spawned a love of aviation for me. Yep. Did that for a lot of people. Yep. A lot of failed dreams of being a pilot. So what would you guys rank this movie? That's the question, right? That's what I've been been dealing that's what i've been trying to reconcile to myself i don't know the verdict's still out on this one but i guess i have to come up with something now because we're actually recording right i've changed mine now three times <laughs> within the span of less than a minute i'm giving it a 4.7 i think i'm gonna go with a 6.85 anthony how about you five five guys we have a second movie that's in the five range it is exactly wow. tied with Pete's oh. christmas <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like you set a standard last week saying, you know what, guys? We haven't had foes this entire run. So how, Anthony, how do you feel about this ranking with Pete's Christmas? Uh, <laughs> I should have stuck with what I was originally going to give it, but then you liked the movie more than me, so it's like, I can't give it higher than Tom. Well, you, no, it's all in relation to, to you, not me. No, yeah, I know. That's true. I was having a really tough time between 6.85 and 7 and a quarter. I was somewhere in the middle, in between. That's what, that's what I was going to give it, 7 and a quarter. That's where I was leaning. Wow, for you didn't. starting the episode with, I didn't like this movie at all. Yeah, no, I'm not, no, you guys like had a lot of funny moments. I don't know. It just didn't flow for me. I don't know what it was. What, what killed my scoring was when I looked at what I had for the Santa Claus 2 was 7.15. And I'm like, okay, it's the Santa Claus 2. It, it, this doesn't compete with the Santa Claus 2 for Christmas movies, so so like pete's christmas it ties it ties with pete's christmas and it falls in between the family man and office christmas party i'm happy with that yeah that works works for me so guys uh let us know what you think we had some pretty uh interesting conversation today about this movie and we would like to know what you think it was definitely interesting conversation because i expected both of you to be harder on it based on just similar films in the past but yeah yeah. Check out, check it. Let us know what you think of the film, the actors, everything we said. How does this compare to Bad Moms? Do you see the correlate? Do you see the connection between the two? Which one do you like more and why? Um, and the best place to do that is on our social media, which we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, as well as our subreddit, Tis the Podcast. Um, and all those are linked on our website. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you and we'll see what you think about it. If you're interested in content beyond what you hear here, what you hear here on a weekly basis um we have extra bonus stuff on our patreon site so for those of you interested in donating as little as a dollar a month you will get access to some of that stuff we have hocus pocus clue the entire office episode unedited and more fun stuff to come um give us suggestions from what you'd want to hear there as well on our social medias and you can find our patreon just go to patreon.com and search for tis the podcast so if you're listening with kids you can tune out now Humbug, but that's too strong Cause it is my favorite holiday But all this year's been a busy blur Don't think I have the energy To add to my already mad rush Just cause it's just the season The perfect gift for me would be Completions and connections Left from last year Ski shop encounter Most interesting Had his number but never the time Most of anyone pass along those lines So deck those halls, trim those trees Raise up cups of Christmas cheer I just need to catch my breath
one of our upcoming episodes on Patreon, what we want to do is discuss that worst Christmas that we've all been through. Every child goes through, every parent dreads, and it's a year you find out the truth about Santa Claus. We want to talk about it. We think it would be a good little therapy session for all of us, but we want to hear all of your stories. Ideally, we want you to record them, record them via audio and send them in so we can play them in the episode. Uh, we think that would be fun. We'd love to hear your voices and hear what our listeners sound like since you guys get to hear us every week. You know, the three of us will be telling our stories. We're going to get our spouses to be telling our stories. And I think it's going to be a fun episode. So if you feel so inclined, uh, send in your audio stories via stories at tisapodcast.com. So I'm really excited for next week's movie. Because it's getting back to like classic, a classic Christmas tale. And that is Disney's 2009 film, animated film, A Christmas Carol. Speaking of that, this is our first one, our first straight up adaptation of A Christmas Carol, minus any Muppets or weird American versions, right? Like this is the first, (laughs) this is the first like just straight up adaptation of the book, right? I think so. Yeah, Although, so that, I mean, I consider Muppets to be a straight-up adaptation. No, 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 I do, too. But I, mean, like, <laughs> I know what you mean, though. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm excited. Yeah. Especially because this one, um, the opinions people have about this film are pretty wide-ranging. Like, they fall well, all over the spectrum. So I'm ex- We've said it before, right? That you really got to mess it up to mess up a Christmas carol. Right. So, I'm hoping that it's not a mess up because I could use a good dose of Christmas carol. Me too. And I'm excited to hear our listeners think about that too. <laughs> and I have some more exciting news. No. We are officially under 200 days until Christmas. I wrote 100, but I wish. But we are officially under 200 and in the 100. So do you want to give us an exact 198 count? to be exact. 198 oh, days. And only 28 weeks. So just enough time to get... A virus that turns you into a zombie and survive for a little while longer and things start to go back to normal, but not totally. Oh, Josh With Hartnett. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Isn't Jeremy Renner in the second one? Or the 28 first? Weeks Later. Oh, is he in 28 Weeks Later, right? He's in the second well, one, right? I think so. Josh Hartnett was the first one, right? Which one was Cillian Murphy in? He was in the first one. He was in 28 Weeks. Maybe Jeremy Renner was in 28 Weeks, too. Either way. <laughs> Either way, in three weeks, we are officially at the halfway point. I love that. Me How many too. report cards is that until Christmas, Tom? That's only, what, four and two-thirds, right? Six weeks report report cards, four and two-thirds. So do your homework, guys. <laughs> Watch Disney's A Christmas Carol. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Yes, four and two thirds. Bye, guys. <laughs> it's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. Roger. At Christmas time, we let in light and we banish shade. Damn, it's my favorite song of all time. And in our world of plenty, we can spread our smile of joy. Throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. But say a prayer. Pray for the other world.
I'll put this in August. I don't even care. At Christmas time, it's hard. But when you're having fun, there's a world outside your window. It's a world of dread and fear. We're the only waterfalling gears, the bitter sting of tears, and the Christmas bells that ring there.